Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. We are talking about the OC. We are getting into the season. We're Things on are... the second disc, the second disc of the DVD set. Yes, we as we watch this on DVD, because it's the only place to watch the OC, as far as I know, we are moving through discs. I mean, maybe in America you guys have it on Netflix, but we don't have America, and we don't have <laughs> VPNs. I'm not sure if America has America anymore. That's true. But we do have our DVDs where we get to see uh, each person's lovely face on each disc, and we see all the all the fun video splash screens on the on the and, menu, and we see the titles of the five acts of the TV show. <laughs> sometimes they're spoilers. Sometimes they're just called coffee. Yep, uh, I I I want to be the person who gets to name the chunks of of episodes. It's wild. Because some, someone had to do that. Someone had to go in and be like, all right, this is called coffee. This is called... <laughs> and sometimes they're really clever. Like, there have been a couple times where I'm like, huh. Ah, nice. And sometimes they're wild spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a problem. That is that is sometimes. But, you know, it gives you something to look forward to, I guess. You're like, when? When will this kiss happen? <laughs> will it be for real or will it be a trick? <laughs> when does that happen? Uh, Yeah. I don't think we've ever had a trick kiss. In Riverdale, we've had trick kisses. I mean, sort of. The Taylor and Ryan kiss last episode was a trick. It was a trick on the Frenchman. (laughs) Excuse me, the Frenchman. I guess that's true. I guess if you saw, like, like the season trailer, like we do for Riverdale, and they showed a scene of Ryan uh, kissing Taylor... Then you might you might be tricked and be like, ah, oh, is that so? They are dating, but I though mean, to be fair, that's that really does seem to be like the path they're taking. So is it a trick or yeah. is it just a foreshadowing? I will say the plot of the season is: Will they date? That 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 feels like the plot of the season. Feels like they did any did anything else in the OC? You'd be like, why is there no romance? And this is a romantic teen drama. There's no other girls on the show. He has to date Taylor. There's no super villains. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's not like Riverdale. Hiram is not hanging out there in the background. Even Caleb is dead. Tenting his fingers, thinking about all the the stuff, the pseudo illegal and very illegal stuff you'll do interchangeably. And the Caleb stuff, which will not be good business or a good crime. <sighs> it's gonna be weird seeing Riverdale when they because they have to film with all the uh, the COVID restrictions. So they're gonna have. I mean, they they barely had extras in the past, so now they'll have even less extras. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Extras who have to bring their own clothes. You, you think they would just give themselves more time to film so that if somebody does get tested, they can shut down for two weeks and it wouldn't... And it'll be fine. Yeah. Honestly, that's the way television, like, film and television really has to go, is you have to be aware until until any sort of cure or vaccine thing comes out ever um, that you might have to suddenly just shut down for two weeks. Well, and I wonder if we'll see a lot of, like... Um, like expediency of storyline where certain characters only interact with certain other characters as much as possible. I've seen I've seen a lot of um posts on uh, things you can write in your uh like scripts to make them more COVID friendly, and they are oh. well, they're mostly uh, really they're they're like I mean, don't worry about it. It's something that really the production more has to worry about. Mm. But if you're, but the thing about screenwriters is that we're sort of looking for any any edge, anything to get efficiency of storyline. Look, <sighs> my storyline plot only has a Jughead and Betty thing where they don't interact with anyone else, and they're already dating in real life. The, I think the big thing is that they're really going for is that if you have extras, that the 
production is going to try to find a way to film the extras separate from, separate the, leads. from the leads. Yeah. yeah. And as time goes on, and if masks become a social consistent, then just it's just normal for everyone to have yeah. masks on. Just put mask, masks on your extras. Problem, But that means you do have to write COVID into your TV show. I, that, I, I'm talking about years from now. But a delightful thing is the um, DC universe, the Flash, the Arrow, the Supergirl. Yeah. Conveniently, earlier this season, they all combined. So now they're all on the same Earth. Yeah. So it becomes less weird if all of their extras are wearing masks. Because at least now they're on the same Earth in the same universe. Sure. I'm going to give you a sure. It'd be really confusing if you were like, no, we've clearly defined in our, like, <laughs> TV show's lore. Yeah, they're all different. this takes place on Earth-32, and the rest of the shows take place on Earth-19. Yeah, but all those Earths could have a pandemic. That's true. <laughs> Come it's on. It's the one consistent across the multiverse. It's a constant. That's depressing. <laughs> all right, well, let's get away from the Arrowverse and head back into the Oceaverse. Nice. It's just the show. Uh, this is the only show. And Grey's Anatomy. It is proven Grey's Anatomy oh, right. is canon Gra- <laughs> in the world of the OC. That's true. Grey's Anatomy does exist in the OC. Which oh, makes man. it wild that Luke is on both shows. It does. Is there anything else that Grey's Anatomy has crossed over with? Private practice. Of? Okay, so private. I mean, but that's the spinoff, isn't it? Yes. They also have their um, Station 19 spinoff. Okay. I mean, that's nothing exciting to figure out in this whole connect. This whole no, interweave. I figured out no clever spinoffs yet. Yeah. I know there's the whole thing where I think it's like St. Elsewhere or something where like all these universes actually take place. In, in St. Elsewhere well, in like a kid's mind yeah, and well, he holds a globe. I think it's St. Elsewhere where, where like the, the finale, the series finale. Ooh, spoilers for this ancient TV show. <laughs> that we're not even sure if it's actually that show. Yeah, that like St. Elsewhere takes place inside the mind of a child as he plays with the snow globe. So, which implies a lot of TV shows, because St. Elsewhere went on for a long time and crossed over with a lot of shows. I mean, I will keep my eyes open. There could be other crossovers. (laughs) Not with the OC. The OC is done. Yeah. But crossovers with Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, that's actually interesting. Grey's Anatomy is still going. (laughs) 15 seasons. 15 seasons. We have four seasons of the OC, but we have 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy to grapple with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this introduction is still, is still going, so <laughs> we should true. probably bring an end to that. Because uh, this is the OC, season four, episode five, The Sleeping Beauty. The Sleeping Beauty. Over in Sandy and Kirsten's house, Ryan watches some Midnight Bollywood. Why did you say that like we were... <laughs> We were transitioning from something. I'm not sure. You say over like we were someone else. Where else first? We were in Sleeping Beauty's land. Right. Spoiler alert, by the way. The beauty is Ryan. He is the most beautiful. Uh, But currently, he is not sleeping, and neither is Seth. No, Seth had some nightmares about summer. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get into whatever the meaning of his dream is. Either way, it's like 3 a.m., and the boys, they are awake. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna watch some movies. And Seth is like, "Well, if you're not sleeping, then I guess I'm not sleeping." Because we he reiterates that he was gonna give Summer a week of space. So it is clarified because last episode he was like, "Hey, I'm not gonna call you for a while because I'm giving you space." But this episode he clarifies it's a week, yeah. and we're not gonna bring this up again and again. But literally every single scene Seth is in, he's like. Should I call Summer before the week is up? The weird thing is that the the moral 
not, maybe not moral is the right thing. The the theory upon the sh- upon the show from everybody who's involved, they all agree with it. Even Summer is like, yeah, he said he wouldn't call for a week, so he's not going to call for a week. Sandy is like, no, you said you were going to call. Like everybody thinks this this insane random plan, this arbitrary rule <laughs> that he has put upon himself is, is law is, and is and is correct. Even Summer thinks that it is correct. She does. As much as she would like him to call, it would be bad if he called. It's, it is better that he does not. It's weird to me that it's like, I'm going to give you a week of space. And there wasn't really, like, there's not really any payoff for it, other than the fact that they haven't talked in a week. Which feels like his week of space could have been something, could have been something that maybe was less outside of his control. And, like, even when they do talk after the week is up, it's just kind of like... Okay. Yeah, it it almost feels like this week should have been something where where Summer was like, I'm really studying for this test. I can't have any interruptions. You can't call me for a week. And they're both being like, oh, a week without oh, talking to her? Oh, we like to talk. Instead of this random self-imposed thing that really in the end doesn't seem to mean anything. It's wild. And it will come up again and again. And I will not care. Will you care, Kevin? <laughs> no, no. We're, we're, we're done with that storyline now. We'll only pick up to it at the very end. Very end. But right now, Seth says, you are not sleeping. I am not sleeping. Cue Seth sleeping. And then we discover that Ryan is not watching Bollywood because he channel surfed to it on TV. The Bollywood is on DVDs that he keeps changing out. Yeah. Yeah. It really feels like to me, like once again, the, uh, the, the, the production of the show was like, hey, what do we have that doesn't have copyright on it? Well, he could be either watching Battleship Potemkin or these old Bollywood films we got. So he does. And I realize the reason Ryan is not sleeping is because Ryan goes to bed in jeans. And if he would just put on <laughs> sleep pants like a normal human. I'm, I, am, I am going to move on to believing that he has sleep jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I watched so close at the same thing like, show me your pants. We, show me your pants. I mean, I have to imagine just that he did not change out of his jeans. Or he changed out of his jeans and changed back into him. He's like... Hey, I'm not sleeping anymore. Now I'm, this is this is non-sleep wear, which means I'm back in my jeans. I tried to figure out Seth if Seth was wearing jeans. I could not tell. Like the idea of that that Seth comes out and be like, "Oh, Ryan, so you're wearing jeans? So I guess you're not sleeping tonight." Me too. Look, I changed, my friend. <laughs> so the morning comes. Uh, Ryan heads off to. I guess I really think he's actually pretending to everyone else in the in the house that he's that he sleeping. has been sleeping. Uh, but Seth is caught sleeping on the couch. We get some sort of like family banter. We learn about Sandy. We thought that Kristen was giving advice, but it turns out Kristen was actually asking Seth for a slogan slogan for her dating company, which is a terrible idea, and will not continue on from this scene. <laughs> But yeah, it's just some banter. Seth is, I'm sorry, Sandy is surfing, but also he's planning an event. And the event does become important, but it just went like right over my head. And I don't know what the event is for. He says that he's talking to like donors. To to what? For his event. You know, his event that he plans as a DA. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't work for the Newport Group anymore TV show. It's not clear what this event is and it will never be clear what this event is. Uh, but what, what is, is clear, clear is that Taylor Townstead arrives at the house. <laughs> and she is in love with Ryan, with Ryan so much. Remember when we asked that question, is she in love with Ryan? Oh, yes, she is. Because they're like, oh, well, we got 
we better go bring Ryan his morning coffee, you know, because you're just waking up and Taylor's like, I'll do it. And she, like, throws off her clothing. She's wearing, like, a, like a nightgown. No, sorry, not a nightgown. A night, an evening gown. Evening yeah, dress. Yeah, she is very dressed up. She made a great excuse to come over <laughs> because Julie Cooper did legitimately leave some work stuff in her car. The difference which... between a nightgown and an evening gown is miles apart. They're very far apart. They're one very... is comfy for sleeping in and one is not. Yeah, one is for the evening and one is for the night. And those are different. Those are different. And if you're Irish, evening is afternoon. Fair enough. It's true. The Irish girl at my work is always telling students, oh, I'll tell you about this in the evening. Or you have to come to this class in the evening. And they get upset. No. E- come on. You, you're, at, you're at about our latitude. And what she means is, you know, at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. The evening. Anyway, Taylor makes a great excuse for showing up. And then she explains to all of the Coens that she has to bring Ryan coffee because he's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cute. Cue her, like, doing all but, like, adjusting her bra as she goes in front of all of them as they just watch. So she goes to see Ryan, and of course Ryan has, I think, just had a shower. But he's wearing jeans again. He is. He did change directly back into his jeans. He also, I think he's supposed to be, like, patting the water off his face. But it really looks like, because they edit it multiple times, we got multiple shots of it. It looks like he's just constantly smelling a towel. We're like, what is that? Why does this towel smell so... Is that me? Do I smell weird? What is this towel? Why do I live in a pool house? Why do I... Oh, it's chlorine. My towel smells like chlorine. This is a, this is a pool towel. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was important in this scene, which is a scene of Taylor trying to seduce Ryan, but I found important is that Ryan says he doesn't drink coffee. And I don't think Ryan is lying to Taylor to get rid of her. No, I, I, I think he has given up coffee in the hopes that he could eventually sleep. But uh, I think I think I think it was just supposed to be a sign that he doesn't need coffee to stay awake because he is so awake. Honestly, his his lack of sleep doesn't seem to be impairing him at all. No, he is one hundred percent completely efficient. Yeah, he goes to work, and there's no moment where they show him like I don't know messing something up or nodding off. He is a hundred percent wide awake and ready to go. Now, Taylor spends this entire scene babbling at Ryan about how he saved her life. And when someone saves your life, they you owe them a life debt. And he really saved her life by allowing her to divorce that French guy. And blah, 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 blah. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Yeah, so we're going to be dealing with that for a little bit. And as, as it happens to the Coens, the Coens realize immediately what's happened. And I think Ryan also is like, I see something going on here. But he's like... Sometimes I assume people like me, and but the, maybe the, they do, but the, but the co- Coens the, are like, the Coens, Taylor. The Coens figure it out immediately because she, go, she goes inside, and you know what, here's what I'm going to say, I'm going to say a note to, uh, good note to the writers, by not having the Coens be like, oh, she likes Ryan, instead, she goes in, says Ryan's funny, and the response from Sandy is, she said Ryan was funny, which has all the same connotations as, oh, she likes Ryan. But it's much better. And Sandy will consistently bring up that anybody who thinks Ryan is funny must be in love with him. And Sandy is so, his excitement over Taylor loving Ryan is so pure and genuine this episode. <laughs> she thinks Ryan's funny. He just thinks Taylor's a nice, very intense girl. <laughs> All right, well, let's check in uh, with another very intense, but maybe less nice girl. 
Julie Cooper had sex with a boy. Yeah, so <laughs> I I kind of thought the resolution of last episode was realizing I have a problem and not going in with it. Turns out the resolution of last episode is might as well give in. Should just hide it from Caitlin better. <laughs> yeah. Which she does not successfully do. Which, nope, she does not do. She uh she sends him out of the house, but unfortunately Caitlin catches him. In his in her kitchen. In her kitchen. Uh <laughs> And she's like, hello. And he's like, hello, I am your mother's personal trainer. Look at me. I do a training. Which I think is true, actually. Yeah, because Julie also <laughs> says the same thing later, and there's no way they could have synced up. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no. I I think, and considering what we see later, I think that makes sense. That she, at that point, she's just, which means she actually did not pick him up at a club. So, you know what? Whatever. Maybe it's better. Maybe I don't, it's not. I don't love that Julie tries to explain this away to Caitlin by being like, oh, yeah, my personal trainer has to come by because single girls have to keep in shape. That's some good messaging to send to your child, Julie Cooper. Okay, Caitlin in this episode has her own messaging she needs to deal with. Where did she get that from, Kevin? Oh, no, clearly Julie. Yeah, Julie's garbage and I love Caitlin. <laughs> you... <sighs> <laughs> so Taylor... Shows uh, up at Seth's work. Yep, she... Uh, she goes to Seth's comic book shop, and uh, Seth immediately puts out that he does not want to help with this. He He's so against it. And Taylor does not really want him to help. She just wants to know if Ryan wants to date yet. And this is where we get the first sign that Taylor is so crazy aware of her own personal issues, because she explains to, to Seth what we said last episode. She very explicitly says, yes, Seth. Anyone who is nice to me, I love. And that's a problem, but that's my problem. And currently, I love Ryan, so... And maybe, it, and maybe just because love comes up in that way, doesn't mean I have to ignore it. Because it could be real, Seth. It could be real. I could be crazy, and it could be real. Two things can exist at once, Seth. Which leads us into my favorite thing that I didn't realize until now that they can definitely do stuff with, and I'm more upset they haven't done stuff with it before, which is that Seth can walk outside the comic book store, call Ryan on his cell phone, and they can look at each other. Because they're so close. <laughs> because Seth essentially works, like, above <laughs> Ryan. This open-air mall set is amazing. It's amazing, and I'm so angry we didn't get more of it in earlier seasons. It's so useful for, like, sight lines. Yeah. 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 So he, Seth, once again, this is an episode of people just saying exactly what they mean repeatedly. Seth goes, Ryan, you feel like dating? And Ryan says, I don't know. He's like, good. He says he doesn't know. And Taylor's like, yes. <laughs> she takes that as a win. And then Seth reveals, don't bug Ryan. He has insomnia. And Taylor's like, ooh. Ooh, I can lie about that. I did a research study once. I'm not even sure if that's true. I'm not sure either. But it's hard to tell with Taylor. And honestly, I think she can say something and make it true. She can just will it into being. <laughs> she has enough confidence. Speaking of confidence. Summer and Shay infiltrate an animal science lab. They are dressed up as janitors. Yes, uh, we, we get the beginnings of this storyline that is clearly going to be them breaking these animals out because that's what we've seen before because they are they are the stereotypical activists <laughs> anything you imagine a political act activist does they will do yeah yeah i mean that, i think that's mostly i think i really do believe that shay is learning all of this from tv shows oh yeah, yeah. absolutely 
<laughs> He's just staying one episode behind. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> Vine watches last week. All right, uh, let's let's introduce the actual uh, grit and middle of the Julie Caitlin storyline for this episode. Caitlin has a tennis coach. He's very attractive. She flirts with him, and he's like, "You're a child." Nope, nope. He he instantly shuts her down. Like, no, I. This is very uncomfortable. But then Julie Cooper also sees him and is like, "I also think he's hot because me and my 15 year old have the same taste in men." <laughs> yeah, which and same taste in men's age, which is a problem on both sides. It, yeah, it's it's un, it's uncomfortable on one side. It is very bad on the other side. But you know what? The thing with 15-year-olds is 15-year-olds always have crushes on 25-year-olds, and 15-year-olds always think they're old enough and mature enough. No, the, the, the problem we'll get, we'll get from this is Julie's reaction to Caitlyn's crush. Which is not the reaction that I just Ooh, had. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, the reaction of a normal typical grown woman being like ah oh, 15 year olds that's what you do no it's it's weird we'll get there uh so we get sandy heading to this wildly fancy office of the match <laughs> it is too fancy it's like an open concept office with like clear glass walls they have like a meeting room they have too many spaces i think for a dating company it, yep and it feels like that they probably couldn't find an actual set, so built this on a soundstage, because it has no views of the outside world. It is unreasonable. Yes. Uh, we learned some stuff about this thing, though. Apparently, there was this other matchmaker who was retiring and was going to sell Kirsten her client list. But unfortunately, Kirsten and Julie should not have rented this office, because if they had, they would have enough money for the client list. But Instead, a different dating company has outbid them. By four times! So, like... Come on, guys. Is it worth it? Uh, also, is this a business? Oh, I, I don't know. Apparently, Kirsten's been keeping it running. So, uh, Sandy suggests that maybe a silent partner, maybe get someone to essentially invest. And Kirsten says, silent partners have opinions. And Sandy says, not if I pick a big dummy who's really busy and has too much money than sense. <laughs> oh, and we will meet this big dummy. <laughs> but first, we will see the conclusion of this initial Che and Summer mess around. So they break back into that animal lab, and they set all them bunnies free. It turns out Che's plan is to put the bunnies on the ground and then lead them out like the Pied Piper into the woods. Which he commits to. He commits to, and might... He you know, might actually succeed well, they to say, an extent. They, they say they get all the rabbits back. so Except for the one that Summer loves. Yeah, Summer does find pancakes and is just holding him. It, <laughs> And that's the scene. These are really good activists, guys. Remember last episode when they were good at activism? Yeah. This episode, no. No, no. I no. mean, they're, the last episode, they were mostly good at being loud, and activism was a kind of a byproduct of that. I think they might have legitimately got solar power for their... For which, their university, which which like for, for the dorms. Which is yeah. pretty awesome, actually. It would be nice if they focused on... An issue <laughs> and, said, and saw it through. Yeah, the problem with is that like their like their thing seems to be everything, and it seems to be whatever is the most interesting at that and moment. Exciting. All right, all right. So it is that night. Ryan is reading a book, and he gets a phone call and answers it immediately. Yeah, and it's Taylor. And it's revealed that it's 3 a.m. This phone call was a trick to see if he truly had insomnia. <laughs> and he did. So Taylor, who claims she doesn't sleep more than four hours. Which I believe. Which I also believe. Uh, says that she wants to help She wants to help him sleep. And they they should meet at the diner 
at 8 a.m. to do that. And then they just sort of do. <laughs> like, yeah, th- there's no real... There's no anything. It just happens. I think it might be a sign that she actually does go to sleep and then wakes up three hours later. Because there is kind of a wake-up montage. Yeah, but really they just... They go to the diner and Taylor is going to proceed with her sleep therapy stuff, which is just asking him wildly direct questions. That any common sense person could guess, but this is the OC, and no one ever asks anyone if they're grappling with human emotions, so except for Sandy once an episode. Yeah. So Taylor goes, is this about, do, do you think this is about Marissa? And Ryan says, no. She goes, I agree. I think it's about Voychuk. And Ryan says, what? So what she figures, and I'm going to paraphrase her, <laughs> um, what I think it is, or what 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 she thinks it is. Uh, is that that Ryan had been fueled by revenge for so long that he would go to sleep being like, ah, tomorrow I shall have my revenge. But now, Wojciech is gone, and he has no more revenge to allow him to sleep. And Ryan confirms this before <laughs> she reveals her theory by saying, like, it's sleep before Thanksgiving, but since Thanksgiving, no sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, Taylor is correct. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Taylor is not a sleep therapist, which will come up many times in this episode. No, but she does have some ideas, and she will definitely, definitely help him, and it has nothing to do with any sort of sexual, romantic inclinations. Taylor just likes to help people. Yes. Another yes, per- sure. Another person who likes to help people is Spencer, when he is paid to teach people tennis, and Julie Cooper, who is jealous of her daughter having a tennis coach. No, I don't think she is actually visibly... I agree with her. She says something later, and I do agree. I do not think Julie is aware of that Caitlin has any feelings for Spencer because Julie is that much in her own head. But Julie only wants Spencer's attention. She doesn't want... She does not want Caitlin to have any of Spencer's attention. Well, no. Even as his pupil. No, of course not. Julie is selfish. So Julie essentially crashes... Taylor or Caitlin's <laughs> she turns she turns lesson. the tennis lesson into like a mother daughter tennis lesson. She just comes. Yep, she's she's just there. Um, we learn that she, that well, Julie is actually decent at tennis. Caitlin is better. No, Caitlin's much worse. I don't know. Caitlin always manages to direct the ball directly at her mom's head, which makes me think she's <laughs> she, very good at tennis. No, I think that just means she's very good at uh, attacking someone. <laughs> She's very good at dealing damage, but she's not able to ever get the ball over over the net. Even earlier when it was just her and Spencer. Well, that's because she was 15 and a cute boy was next to her. Kevin, you don't understand 15-year-olds. <laughs> this has been proven on yeah, this, but, ep- this episode, but this Ju- show. But Julie has, has proven that she is competent at tennis. The, thing that, the only thing she knows about Spencer. So she believes that is the only thing he will respect. Right? Well, she might not be wrong, but first... <laughs> Wait, no, I, we do need to mention that this scene is entirely scored by a weird cover of Float On by Modest Mouse. Yeah, it's a real, like, like... You know when you see, like, a comedy TV show and they play, like, that carousel music? Like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. It's essentially that, it... but the OC. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's not wrong. This is the carnival version of Float On. Um... And when it first started, <laughs> and the music started playing, I'm like, wait, I know these lyrics. Why is this the song that we're doing for this, see- this like, kind of wacky scene? 
Like, like maybe the tone, sh- the tone works, but the song itself is, is... not appropriate. <laughs> no. I mean, maybe it's just a commentary on Julie, who was so jealous of Marissa for so long, and now does not even know, but is still jealous of Caitlyn. Eh, who knows? She's a bad mom, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to have to meet Gordon, or as he would prefers to be called. Bullet. Bullet. <laughs> Whenever you refer to someone by their name and they, and they go, ah, oh, I told you, call me Bullet. They're like, oh, I'm not calling you Bullet. Kevin, I've learned something. Yeah. Because I looked up some of the actors because I was like, I recognize some of them. Yeah. Bullet is his last name. Yeah. He is Gregory Bullet. Okay. Well, the problem, Gordon. Gordon Bullet. Gordon Bullet. Uh, the problem with that is is... If they don't introduce it, this is just a, a grown man asking another grown man to call him Bullet, and then later, Julie apparently calls him The Bullet. Yeah, it's never subsequently explained that his last name is Bullet. I only learned that from the internet. <laughs> Instead, he's just a guy. He's just, just, a, just a real Texas man who wants to be called a Bullet, and he is a lot. Now, there is some banter about Madeline Albright, and essentially Sandy's like, hey, you say you have so much money you want to invest. What about my wife's dating company? <laughs> and Bullet's like, I'm Bullet. I'm Bullet. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you something. Why isn't Madeline Albright hot? And Sandy's like, well, my friend, I know someone who is hot. My wife's co-worker. <laughs> he actually mentioned that she says, my, my wife's co-worker recently broke up with a fiancé. And Bullet asks, she hot? And that is the end of that scene. <laughs> That's the end. We you, you we do not get a lot of time with Bullet, but we get a lot of time with Bullet. And I feel like I kind of love Bullet. Uh, here's the thing about Bullet. He is he is such a weird weird dope that you're like yeah. I, he he's he's kind of like he's kind of like when you just see you know, you know when you see a dog do something that's not very smart, like get caught in a fence, and you're like, ah. Oh, look at that dog. Look at he that tried dog. tried so hard. Oh, he got his face stuck in a bucket. Ah, oh, look at that dog. Look at that bullet. That's my dog named Bullet. Yeah, that's Bullet. That's Bullet. That is Bullet. Oh, we're going to have a quick scene here where uh, both Seth and Taylor visit Ryan at work and kind of just drive him crazy for a little bit. Seth does ask Taylor if she's a certified sleep therapist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seth is, once again, really on the ball this episode and knows exactly what's going on. It, it does seem like his problem is mostly that Taylor is bothering Ryan. I, do, I don't think he actually is like, no, Taylor, you're not allowed to date Ryan. I think he's more of like... Don't yeah. bug Ryan at work. <laughs> well, and also, to be fair, Taylor is pretending to be a sleep therapist. That's true. <laughs> As they will consistently refer to. The thing is, though, they do refer to that a lot. Yeah. But to be fair, she never says, Ryan, I am your sleep therapist. <laughs> yes, she, she does. She says, I did a study, and I think I can help you. She Is she, that everyone else's fault if she, that is taken to mean sleep therapist? Erin, she says, I am pretending to be a sleep therapist. She says that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we also learn, and this is complete news to me, Ryan's pool house has a key. He, he, I did not realize that 
room was locked ever. He did lock it. He locked it against Seth, and then he closed the cur- the blinds. Yeah, but I assume in the pilot of the season. I assumed he could lock it from the inside. I didn't assume it was ever. She needs the key to set up for the sleep therapy thing. Tonight. Yeah, there's no reason why it should be locked right now. No, because because whoever locks that door, who locks any door at that house, you can walk through anywhere. Yeah, she could just went there and been like, to, been to Sandy and Kirsten. Hey, I'm going in your son's room, and they'd be like. Okay, can we give you the key? No, I'll go in through the window. I just want to say, the Coens have never been shown to have, like, a housekeeper or a pool boy or anyone to help them with that giant house. Yeah. And I just want to put that in everyone's mind. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they, they have a, an aura of cleanliness, I guess. They just exude it like superheroes. Yeah. Except for, I think, when Kirsten was an alcoholic. That's true. I think that's when the house got a little bit rough. When she went away to rehab. Right, right. Because somehow she was, her alone. <laughs> so I like to imagine every day she has to call, like, a housekeeper or a pool boy and, and tell them to come to work. Oh. Or else they just don't arrive. <laughs> oh, no. What? Oh, no. What? She just drives down to the Home Depot and picks up day laborers. <laughs> oh, no. That's the secret. That, that is what's implied. That is the secret. So, uh, Summer uh, is back in her room, and she talks to someone who we haven't seen for a while, Amber, who I learned sleeps underneath her, <laughs> her, her sex wall. Yeah, she loves it. Yeah. Amber yeah. has lots of judgment at Summer. Yes. Uh, she puts out the idea that Seth is essentially making a power play and wants her to call Summer to call first. Nothing will come of this, is because what I'm going to say right now. Seth doesn't want that, and no one cares. And Summer doesn't believe her. But what does matter... Is that the dean's office called, and Summer's got to go to the dean's office and for as a it, meeting. And as it turns out, as Amber says, you guys are the people who, di- who didn't realize that those rabbits were part of a socialization study. They literally were rabbit friends. <laughs> they just wanted to love the rabbits. <laughs> well, no, they, they wanted to see how rabbits made friends with each other. You you stole rabbit friends. <laughs> you know, like, that is that is awesome, actually. And There's a co- study on how rabbits make friends, and they just let them off into the woods to be eaten by wolves. And of course, of course, Che did not bother to look up any details. He just knew there was a ra- rabbit lab on campus. Yeah, yeah. So Che comes running up, and he's like, I got the phone call, too. They recognized our faces from Facebook. And I was <laughs> like, just- oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, was it the... The, the guy who was there when they were pretending to be janitors was like, well, that's that hot woman. That's that hot guy. So I know who they are. <laughs> well, that's Rachel Bilson, and that is Chris Pratt. He eventually will be in Guardians of the Galaxy, among other things. And they just ranted in front of the entire campus about solar power. I know who they are. <laughs> very. Those two people are the ones who go to every single political thing, constantly putting their faces on stuff. And they're so handsome. They're the only ones with speaking lines in this school. Other than me, of course. I got some lines in this one scene. The lab guy. (laughs) And then he's like, also, they didn't, there's one rabbit that's still missing. Do you know where that is? And Summer says, no. No. And we've discovered from Amber, the rabbit is under her bed. Under their bed. She kept pancakes. She loves him. Which means, I guess, Che frogged into the woods on his, with his, like, little pipe and, and Summer just held onto that rabbit. And that rabbit did not like the pipe, thank God. (laughs) I'm not sure any of the rappers like the pipe. They say they immediately got them all back. <laughs> so I don't think true. any of them followed him. I think they all stayed in the... But he danced and played. Yeah, they were all friends. They're, that's why they wanted to stay together. Yeah. yeah. 
So Caitlin uh, is heading back to the tennis to show to show that man her in a bikini. I have an important question. Yeah. How does Julie Cooper Nichols Roberts? Yeah. Pay for her and Caitlin to have an attendance at this club. Now, to to be fair, that she does actually have a job. Now, we do get described that that job that work is essentially on the cusp of failing. And also, guess, she only just came back to it last episode. Yeah, so I'm going to assume I'm going to assume that she's putting it on credit cards and just going to hope she's making money at the end of the month. She needs to stop dating 25 year olds and date the bullet. <laughs> yeah, he's so much more of a catch. <laughs> he has all that money and nothing to do with it. Anyway, uh, just a little bit going on the line of people being very aware of the situation. The Ward brothers are also very aware of this situation and do seem to find it uncomfortable. But Kevin, here's the thing. I remember being 15 and you always walk in front of the cute boys in your bathing suit and 15 year olds do not understand that 25 year olds won't think they're hot. It is the job of the 25 year old to think, hey, you're a child. Yeah. Children don't understand. Yeah. And this 25 year old understands that and that's very uncomfortable for him. However, not that uncomfortable because he's busy making out with Julie Cooper Nichols Roberts. That's true. He's instead making out with... How old is Julie? She's like... She's in her 40s. Julie had Marissa when she was 19. Okay. And Marissa died when she was 18. So yeah, Julie's like 40. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, Kevin, I... I I know it's TV stuff. No, Kevin. What I'm going to tell you... Is I am 32 yeah. and I don't want to date a 25 year old. 25 year olds is dumb. I, well, yes, I understand that, but I'm saying that, the, that I have no moral qualms against, I guess, if the 25 year old really wants to bang. bang it out, I guess. I mean, by that token, I should date, I mean, fight someone who's 31 years older than me, just like Justin Bieber. Whatever. Justin Bieber wants to fight Tom Cruise. Yeah. And if I want to fight someone who's 35, 31 years older than me, that means I can fight Willem Dafoe, Bruce Willis, or, um, oh, who was the other one? It's another tough guy. Kevin Costner. <laughs> I'd probably do Kevin Costner, honestly. I think I could beat him. I cannot beat Willem Dafoe. Here, here's the thing. Th- here's the thing. Bruce Willis, uh, I think, actually is probably pretty scrappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Dafoe, I'm certain, is immortal. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I do not think that William D- Willem Dafoe will hurt you back, but I do think you will not. I think the gods will strike me down. I, yep. I think that's a possibility. Um, I also think that much like... Uh, like when anyone's fighting Rocky or fighting Homer in The Simpsons, the entire tactic is that he will not take damage, so you will eventually tire yourself out. True. So you will still lose. And the other person I can fight? Yeah. Laurie Metcalf. Okay. You know, from Roseanne. No, yeah. No, yeah. You can probably, you might be able to take her. Maybe. Maybe. But America will hate me. <laughs> Laurie Metcalf, I feel like, has weak bones. I mean, she's never gonna, she's never done a yogurt commercial. So look, look I'm gonna I don't want to put slander against everybody I don't know, but I'm gonna be unequivocal. I think and put this on Twitter. I think Laura Laura Metcalf has weak bones. Come at me, tweetable. <laughs> Someone do that. That is that is the that, that's the harsh hot takes you can get right here. Is that I believe bones might be weak in a certain person. But here's the most important thing. Another celebrity who is 31 years older than me who I can fight. Peter Gallagher. 
Sandy Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> this would be a better segue if Sandy was in the next scene. I timed this wrong. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. What did... I don't know. I, I mean, things are opening up, so I guess... Things are opening up. And in light of things opening up... What you got going on? Well, so... We could probably go back to what you learned yeah, yeah. at some point, but... What did I learn? Well, as... We don't have to do it now. I'm just like, what's going on? Longtime listeners know, I work at the med school. Yes. You also work at a med school. <laughs> okay. But we have been encouraged for science... To get asymptomatic COVID-19 tests because yeah. Alberta has, like, the largest testing capacity in the world other than Australia. Yeah. And so we're really – they're trying to figure out how spread happens. So, like, people who don't have symptoms are supposed to get tested. So if you do happen to have it because you're pre-symptomatic, mm-hmm. they can be like, oh, well, you've gone to, like, these places. So that's where spread happens. So I got a COVID-19 test on Wednesday. Yeah. Thursday. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I went online. I filled in like a little questionnaire. It took me like five minutes. They let me pick a testing site, the nearest one to my house. Mm-hmm. I could get a test within like 24 hours. So I drove there in my car. The car had me broke down and had to be physically pushed into the testing site oh. by the people in charge of directing traffic. One of the nurses told me that happens at least once a day. Oh, yeah. weird. So that's weird. I guess I guess maybe people haven't been driving their cars for so long. Well, and like we're encouraged to when we're stopped because the testing facility can hold like four to five cars. Yeah. When we're stopped, we're supposed to turn our cars off, mm-hmm. mostly so we don't all asphyxiate. Yeah, that's fine. And so I think some cars can't like handle the cost, constant on and off. But like, get a better car. Sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So anyway, Aaron, it's like you're telling somebody they have weak bones. <laughs> How dare I judge? So they come out, they look at your healthcare card, they ask you a couple questions. Um, do you have symptoms? Have you ex- been exposed to anyone? Have you traveled outside of the country in the past 14 days? Yeah. And then they, like, stick a swab down your throat. Yep. Um, it does not go through your nose. It's not scary. No, that's what we do to dead bodies, though. Yeah. Through the nose? Yep. Anyway, moving on from there. Well, they used to do it to live bodies, too. Yeah. But now, throat. And the nurse who did mine was training someone, and so she said she was like... Just make sure after you've done the swab, like put the put the swab in the test tube and then don't let them drive away until you put the lid on. Because if you accidentally flip the swab and it goes off into the yeah. into the day, people are very upset. <laughs> I was like, that's a good point. Yeah. People would be upset. Yeah, because they already did it once. So they told us that um if you are positive, they'll call you. A person mm-hmm. will call you. And if you're negative, you'll get an automated phone call. Yeah, that makes sense, because if you're positive, you might have more questions. If it's yeah. negative, it's just like, boom, you're done. Get out of here. So today I was blow-drying my hair, and I got a phone call. I saw it on my watch. It said it was from 811 HealthLink, and I, like, ran to get my phone, and it was a person. <laughs> I was like, oh, ah! I was like, oh! This is it. This is how I die. <laughs> they were like, hello, is this Aaron Weir? And I was like, yes. And they're like, hey, can you give us all of your details? We need, like, your phone number last name first name date of birth healthcare card and i had to go elsewhere to get my healthcare card and i was just like oh my god oh my god this is this is how i find out i'm really going to wreck father's day <laughs> so i gave them all my information they're like all right well so your test is negative <laughs> and i was like but you're a person <laughs> just slow that day <laughs> and she was like yep we're just catching up and i was like well that's good news <laughs> 
And she's like, yeah. So I just have some some like isolation protocol I want to talk to you about. And I was like, uh-huh. At that point, you weren't hearing any of it. It's like it's like a, <laughs> it's like in the Breaking Bad after Walter White hears the cancer thing, and he just like, I'm done. just be. And so she basically asked me the same questions I had before the test, like symptoms, exposure, leaving the country. And I said no to all of those. And she said, okay, great. You don't have to isolate. Do you have any questions for me? And I was like, <laughs> Why oh, would you do this to me? Why did you call Why me? you call me? <laughs> I did not ask that. And I was just like, thank you for calling. Goodbye. I love the idea that they're, that they're like, well, we got to get through. You know, we don't have that many positives we got to call out. And, we, and you know, the, honestly, they still have to do calls with each yeah, one. Yeah, the machine the can only go so call. fast. I was like, you know, let's, we'll just pick it up. You guys just do some of the, the negative calls. I'm sure those are a lot more exciting. Like, they're a lot more pleasing yeah. than having to tell someone that they're that they're infected you know it'll be a good work day instead of a bad work day yeah <laughs> but i guess yeah if they were like hey aaron really what this comes down to is you should have picked the email because that's definitely comes out a lot faster oh yeah there was also a choice that if you were negative you could get a phone call or an email yeah i was like i'll take the automated phone call no. it was the wrong choice no, you should have picked the email because they can just email blast so the end of this story is got a COVID 19 test didn't have it on Thursday. Good. Good. That's the end of the story. <laughs> so Taylor has set up the sleep therapy session. And by sleep par- therapy session, I mean wildly romantic setting. There's so many candles. And also she's wearing pajamas <laughs> so she can co-sleep with Ryan. Because she's like, so people sleep better with a warm body next to them. So I shall sleep next to you. And, we, and it shall not be awkward. I promise you. And Ryan says... Taylor, do you have a crush on me? <laughs> I love this episode and how upfront everyone is. From the ward boys just outright saying molest to uh to like everyone to like Taylor being so able to just nail down what her like personal issues are. To, to Ryan just calling Taylor on her nonsense. Taylor, it's been three season years <laughs> of me living here. You got a crush on me? And Taylor says Ryan, I am a sleep therapist. Let me sleep therapist you. Come on. Anyway, let's start with the massage. The next morning, (laughs) Seth visits the pool house to bring Ryan coffee. Ryan, I guess, is showering, but Taylor is there. No, Ryan is not showering. Oh, that's right. Right. Taylor comes out of where the shower is. No, it's not what it looks like. Ryan had went for a jog, continuing the idea that Ryan is still functioning at a high level he he comes back all sweaty. He's wearing his jogging stuff. We learn that well. Taylor slept slept like a log, uh, just throughout the night with a warm body that she thought was next to her. Ryan sat in a chair all night and read a book, which means she did not realize that he did not get any sleep. Now Taylor asks Ryan if she, he didn't sleep because she snored. Where and then we are then revealed. That she thinks she snores because her mom told her that once and wanted to give her surgery. So, cool. I think her mom wanted her, wanted a reason for her daughter to maybe get a nose job. That feels doesn't feel something like Veronica would do. Like, yeah. she has decided she doesn't like her daughter's nose. So she tells her she's a snorer with a deviated septum. So we she have could, to fix that. So she could trick her into getting rhinoplasty. Now, Ryan is not falling for any of this, though he does feel a little bit bad about the snoring thing and informs Taylor that she does not snore. Yeah. And she is correct about the whole Voychuck thing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, you're, you're wrong about that, but you are wildly, weirdly correct about the other thing. But Taylor, I can only process my emotions alone. Yeah, yeah. They like, call it even. 
So the next morning, also the same morning, Julie Cooper is on the phone. She gets some details about her date with the bullet from Kirsten. Oh, yeah. She is the one who introduces a um, preposition, participle. Mm. (laughs) I can't remember what it is. The bullet. Yes, before it's just bullet. Julie makes him the bullet. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And she is fine with this because apparently he owns Texas. And Caitlin overhears this, and Caitlin's like, I'm suspicious of your motives and mad because you made up, with, made up with a boy I have a crush on. So, Mom, I'm going to bring a date to this nebulous event that Sandy organized. <laughs> How about I crash this thing? That all of the teen characters will be at. Yeah. So it's not crashing. And I have a friend who drives. Which is reasonable, because I'm 15, Mom. I feel like she could have just said, nah, the wards will bring me. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, I have a friend who drives. And that's the scene. Yeah. Uh, we got to see Summers talk to, I guess, the Dean's board. Yeah, there's one Dean and then also some other Dean's. Yeah. Uh, we hear that apparently there's been other political activism things that have sort of crossed the line, including what they bring up is someone flooded a trustees meeting. And, like, that was sort of alluded to in her earlier conversation with Che. Yeah. But she immediately was like, yeah, I totally stole the bunnies. I didn't know they were happy bunny friends. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't realize that that was apparently a PBS show in there and not an HBO show. And they said, have you done other bad things? And she says, absolutely not. I just like bunnies. Yeah. And not only that, she refuses to snitch. She's not going to She's not gonna tell on Che even when they ask her and they seem to weirdly respect yeah they seem to really like that because she explains that if she gave something away she'd be she's gone to brown she loves brown it's changed her she's found a new her and a real her and if she snitches on someone it's betraying the real her and the deans like it yeah the the head dean's like yeah you know what you're right snitches do get stitches (laughs) great work summer i I see you've learned from harbor (laughs) i see you've learned from harbor that snitching is bad i assume that's what your dean has taught you dr kim she couldn't have loved snitches could she (laughs) there's no way she'd be one herself i heard a rumor that your dean was very into snitching i'm glad to see that you have not followed upon those beliefs Great work, Summer. Uh, Good how, tribe. However, there's one rabbit they weren't able to get back. Do you know where that rabbit is? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> That's the one lie she's going to throw out here. So Taylor is hanging out in Summer's bedroom, and she's very, very sad. I mean... Not hang, not hanging out. She that's where she sleeps. Erin, that is her home. I I was reminded in this episode that they live together, and because Kay, because apparently she's also borrowing some of Caitlyn's. This with- is amazing. So she borrowed Caitlyn's B pheromone lip gloss, which was really a thing in two thousand and seven. It made your lips puffy and kind of hurt. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, like, would that a- attract bees? No. No, the bees didn't like it, but the boys did. It brought all the boys to the yard before you had a milkshake. Okay. Oh, that's that's horrible. Um, <laughs> and I do not like that women did that. Oh, it's real. Okay. Uh, really what I got out of this scene is that I'm, is that I'm now shocked, and I don't know if they're going to go this route, but I kind of hope that they do, where I'm shocked that actually Taylor hasn't taken the place of Marissa in caitlin and julie's mind yeah like you you think we you get a little bit where they are essentially trying to shove taylor into the marissa box because she is another teenage girl who's the exact same age and she for a while was supposed to be like a version of marissa what marissa could have been yes 
So it's weird. Like, we get a little bit in the scene of kind of Caitlin and Taylor kind of being a little bit of sisterly stuff. Although what's super interesting is this scene is based around Caitlin giving um, Taylor boy advice. And it is good at boy advice. I mean, one of the one of the bits of advice, though, is a very much. I think you're just mentioning we are in a TV show because she says, "Oh, just dress nice and be where he is." Because how many times have we seen that on the OC where someone's just like, "Well, I'll just dress nice and be in the place that they are." But that is 100 percent the plot of a teenage girl. <laughs> yeah, and then she gives her like actual like social Walk in en- front of him, social- laugh at his jokes, even if they're not funny. Yeah, like social engineering stuff. Yeah. Uh, make uh, make occasional phys- uh, physical contact. It's actually super super cute. Yeah, and they are. You know, things are doing. So it seems weird. Like, it's almost like Caitlyn's taking the place of Marissa. Of and, the then, <laughs> and then Taylor's the, Mar- the Mar- Caitlyn to Caitlyn's Marissa. I was more of saying, like, Caitlyn taking the place of the older sister and Taylor yeah. taking the place of the, the younger sister. Taylor also says, how do you get a boy to like you after you pretended to be a sleep therapist? And now you've said that you're no longer going to be a sleep therapist. <laughs> and I love that Caitlyn does not question that part. Yeah. She's just like, yeah, normal. Yeah. You know, it just it just it feels like Julie and, Kay- and Caitlyn should really be. Using more Taylor. It, well, it feels like they should be projecting more onto Taylor because she is li- literally living with them. And it and I had to be reminded that she lives in the same house, which means that man was also sneaking past Taylor. Though I'm sure Taylor would be more open to be like, Taylor yeah. Taylor would love it. She'd be like, hey, want to come to my room? Let's do some workout. <laughs> or no, not my room. I, she, she would invite him to the gym to do actual physical training. I was more saying that I'm sure Taylor would be more to Julie. Like, yeah, Julie, you experience your sexual reawakening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So now we get the part, party of the episode, which is at the Yacht Club. It is very unclear what this party is. And it will never be cleared up because it begins with Sandy giving the most vague speech <laughs> ever seen. And then Sandy and Kirsten spy on Julie and the bullet and it yep. appears to be going oh, well. Oh, we, we, get, we get a lot of bullet right now and he continues to be a lot. And then Ryan sees Taylor and she looks so great and then yeah. she asks him to dance. We, we, we essentially we get her moment from the all these openings we've been getting, which is her in a red dress walk, like as the sea parts in front of her. Which, when you wear a red dress, the sea parts. I really, well, I don't know why. I really wanted Ryan to, like, not notice. I don't know why. <laughs> that feels so okay to her be like, yes, I have dressed nice and I have appeared here. Ryan's just like, oh, hey, Taylor. What's up? Oh, you're here. Oh, hey. <laughs> it does seem to be, like, partially working. Anyway. Anyway, the bullet wants to invest in the company. Yep. Until Caitlin brings her date. And well, not at all. Well, no, she... Okay, by date, Taylor bullied Spencer into coming by saying, my mother would like you to come to this party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, I, she, I mean, yes, she tricks Spencer into coming. I'm uh, just going to say, Caitlin is still not getting in trouble in this episode. So she, she's still holding up her end of the bargain. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. I'm not saying that the... I, I mean, the bet, it seems like, it's done. Which is why the last episode was so confusing, because it felt like they were both like, being like, yes, we understand this is who we are. Except for it's not... Whatever. But there's something more important. More important. Bullet says, Caitlin, why did you bring my son to this party? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Spencer's like, ah, you're dating my dad? Ah. And that's... Apparent, apparently the scene we just saw, the scene we just described to you, yeah. with essentially the stakes that we saw in the episode, is supposed to be, like, devastating, 
horrifying. <laughs> a big reveal. Yeah, though everyone gets over it real fast. Well, because at one point Julie's like, well, he was going to invest in us until you brought his son. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I don't know if he actually was going to not invest at that point. I, mean, I, I think I think more maybe what the implication was, was that now that he sees that Julie is not on the market because she's sleeping with his son like it also doesn't seem clear in that scene though that she's sleeping with spencer it's it, there's i mean i'm sure he, he after that he told his dad it's 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 it a very weird thing and it takes a lot of the audience to decipher it's like a make your own stakes what what stake do you think is it is it here is it that that uh that the bullet is no is no longer interested in julie and so won't uh, be in there is that Julie had maybe actual feelings for Spencer and now he won't date her anymore or is what? it that no one actually cares but everyone thinks someone else cares choose your own stakes welcome to the choose your own stakes buffet where you can choose your own stakes meanwhile Seth leaves the yacht party and he thinks about Summer he wants to call Summer and then yeah. his dad comes out and dads at him yep uh, and he does explain and we learn that Sandy actually sort of supports his whole Taylor thing because Taylor finds Ryan funny and he thinks Taylor's a sweet girl. I think this is nice because Taylor is genuinely excited to date Ryan. Yeah. And no one has ever been genuinely excited to <laughs> no, date Ryan. Even Marissa has been like weirdly begrudgingly like, yes, we should date. It does feel like we should date. Like Lindsay kind of liked him, but also hated him. And then they were related, sort of. <laughs> Like, they were not related. But they thought they were. No, they were. No, Harry. They didn't think they were, but they did have the... Okay. The point I'm making is that there was the weirdness in the middle yes. there. Yes, they had They had. A, they had a, their own thing going on. The point I'm making, 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 though, yeah. is Taylor is genuinely excited about Ryan's existence. <laughs> and I cannot remember anyone ever being that excited about Ryan except for Sandy Cohen. Well, I, I mean, I would say uh, Jimmy's... Not Johnny's. Johnny's um sister cousin. Yeah, until she hated him for no good reason. <laughs> well, I I for when the she life sold of the house because he didn't come over. I for the life of me cannot remember why they broke up other than plot reasons. Because and and even then I can't remember like what those reasons were. It's something like See, oh, he kept trying to sell oh, the house. No, no, no. It's because they because they are from different worlds. No, after that, it was because she kept trying to sell the house, and then he went and helped Marissa instead of hanging out with her. Well, I, no, I th- did you know she broke up with him after they had the whole, like, sweater party at the, at oh, the beach? Oh, right, because he's going to college and she's not. Yeah, then he didn't go to college. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, no, their breakup was dumb, but she did seem to be actually legitimately into him. Not as much as Taylor. No one will ever be into him as much as Taylor is into him at this very moment. And Ryan kind of needs that. Yeah. Uh, and we cut back and we do get Ron and Taylor kind of talking about how, I don't know how this conversation came up, about how much they used to hate Taylor. But Ryan makes a real joke, not an accidental joke. He makes a real joke. Yeah. And then Taylor says, you made a joke. And he says, don't yeah. tell anyone. Uh, this- then he goes to get her a drink. Yeah. And then Seth, Seth's at him. And Ryan but just in, wants. But in, in a good way. Seth tries to essentially be like, hey, Ryan. Maybe you don't have to be sad all the time. But I think essentially Seth kind of embarrasses Ryan. So Ryan says, I'm not going to date Taylor. Though I do believe that Ryan also doesn't 
think want he to... wants to date Taylor. No, you know, I, I don't think he does want to date. I think I think the problem is that we're getting with with Ryan. What we always get with Ryan is that he's like, no, I need to dwell for so much longer. I have to think about my emotions for I a think, long time. I think Ryan honestly believes the reason all of his other relationships fell apart is because he did not dwell on the one before <laughs> it for long enough. And I guess to be fair, it has only been a week ish since Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not been that long. Yeah, no, it has not been that long. Uh, anyway, Taylor overhears this, and she's surprisingly chill about it for Taylor. She does storm off into the night. Yeah, yeah. But in a chill way. And I and Ryan, like, when he goes after her, she once again is able to instantly tell what Ryan's thinking. And I love Ryan's reaction. He's like, how do you keep doing? <laughs> You're a witch. And Taylor's like, Ryan, I care about you and your emotions, which means I have empathy and can put myself into your shoes. Yeah. I know you dated Marissa, who had no empathy. <laughs> and cannot put herself in anybody's shoes other than her own. But Ryan, I'm a functional human. Okay, I'm I'm a mostly functional human, but that's all anyone can really be. Yeah. Yeah. And the best that anyone can be is mostly functional. And off goes that mostly functional yeah. human into the night. She does, once again, being able to pick out what's in his brain, says that you you clearly think of me as a friend. And that's what you think, so. But please don't say it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap up a little with Julie and Caitlin. So Julie basically harasses Caitlin for no reason. <laughs> um. Well, Caitlin... Yes, they, she she's she's talking to her. Caitlin is explaining that she she did really like Spencer, but she does point out to her mom that <laughs> you need to treat me like a fifteen year old and not like a grown adult. <laughs> stop, stop sleeping with dudes and have you sneak sneak out of the house, or at least have them sneak out of the house better. Mom, don't send them through the kitchen. <laughs> I am a child, mom. I. Need my breakfast in the morning. If I'm like this, it's because of you. <laughs> yeah, and like once again, Julie, single, whatever. But you do have to be aware that you're also taking care of a child. She's not your roommate. She is a child. <laughs> She's not the roommate. Taylor's your roommate. Yeah, Taylor's a grown adult. <laughs> Taylor- She's a divorced woman. Yeah, Taylor's your roommate. Caitlin's your child. <laughs> Gotta deal with this. I thought you dealt with this last week, but I guess that's not what the thing was. I guess it's happening again. So, Summer, meanwhile, sits on the floor outside of Che's room, and he comes on back. He's on a high from how well his discussion with the deans I went. I don't know if it is, because he, he begins by saying, Summer, have I achieved anything throughout my time here? Which means I do think his conversation with the deans ended with him saying, Do you feel like you've achieved anything at any of your time here? I mean, he did get solar panels on the... No, Summer did that. It, it feels like a weird false lead of him beginning with, like, do you feel like I've achieved anything? Oh, by the way, I snitched on you. It I went sn- great for me, <laughs> not great for you. I snitched on you hard, because you said that this that this movement needs me, that I'm, I'm the leader of this movement, and really, that's on Summer for lying to him. Because Summer is definitely the person they need. <laughs> yeah, they definitely need Summer. Uh, so he's like, no, I just told him everything was your fault. Like they... I mean, to be fair, she was definitely not there when he flooded the thing. I And I'm sure they can figure that out. I also believe the Deans don't believe him, judging by the fact that it ended with them saying, do you believe you've achieved anything in your life? I mean, here, in your life. <laughs> sorry, I, I'm sorry, I keep on being rude. I don't mean to say that your life is useless. I mean, have you achieved anything here at school or before school in your life? I don't know why that keeps happening. It's like a tick. But, like... Summer has the feels. Yeah. Uh, we get a weird scene where Caitlin essentially tries to convince the bullet 
to invest by explaining that her mom broke up with her fiance but still got the house. Yeah, I he 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 makes it clear that he I have so much money. I don't care about money. I just want to have fun. And she she either implies that hey, don't you realize this is a TV show and if you get to be in this TV show, all kinds of fun stuff will happen or she subtly prostitutes her mom. <laughs> It's really hard to say. And it's hard to tell what Bullet gets out of that, but he certainly likes it. So, uh, Kirsten and Sandy catch up a little bit because, as we know, Kirsten and Stan- Sandy can only have storylines when their lives are falling apart. <laughs> Otherwise, they just talk about other people's storylines. Yeah, yeah. But they are interrupted from this catch up because Julie comes rolling on in and she explains that the, or sorry, the Bullet rolls in. And- yeah. Anyway, he, he, yeah, the the bullet the bullet you know takes her off, and uh, we then we get the scene with Julie and Caitlin where we learn that Julie broke it off with Spencer, like that was her decision. <laughs> now I have a reveal for you, Kevin. Yeah, because I looked up characters on this TV show. Yeah, Spencer is in six episodes. I mean, he's the bullet's son. There's only the bullets not coming back. Of course, Spencer's coming back. Um, she also like. Apparently threatens Spencer to like destroy him if he comes near Caitlyn, and Caitlyn seems to like that. But like Spencer was never coming near Caitlyn because she's fifteen. Aaron, do you feel like that Spencer had a real bad couple of days? Yes, he he didn't know what to do when this lady came on to him, and now well, I mean, I, his dad's there. Well, I'm sure, it's I'm, just hard. I'm sure he I'm sure he was like, all right, well, I'm teaching this girl. She keeps trying to hit on me, and that's super uncomfortable. Oh, her mom's an attractive woman. I'm and I'm getting attention. Sure, I like that. Oh, her mo- Oh, actually, that woman is also kind of dating my dad. And now I got weirdly threatened by that woman when I didn't do anything wrong. Guys, I'm just a tennis instructor. <laughs> I have had a wild couple of days, and I kind of hope that when he comes back in the show, he doesn't come back villainous. I hope he just comes back and maybe gets clowned on a little bit more. <laughs> he's just consistently befuddled for he's, six episodes. Like, hopefully, yeah. I I I don't. Don't if he comes back in any sort of villainous capacity, I do will not get it because he in this episode he just gets clowned on by. But I will tell you the season doesn't have a villain yet. I mean, no I don't. One, no one hates Ryan yet. I don't know if it needs a villain. This this season can be a lot of the push and pull between Taylor. I mean, Chase going to be a kind of a dopey <laughs> villain. But he's not a villain. He just. Nah. <sighs> we do learn here that um, apparently. The bullet told Kirsten that Caitlin had convinced, convinced him. him. And considering how we know exactly what Caitlin said to him, I do not know how that conversation went and how she came up in it naturally in any way. Did Bullet say, "Ah, that that girl Caitlin said that I had have fun here"? He was just, maybe he was just like, you know, I wasn't going to invest, but then I talked to Caitlin, and now this seems like. <laughs> A TV show I should be on. This feels like I might be a TV show. So I want to be involved in that. Because you know me. My name is Bullet. It's real hard to say. I don't know. So uh, Taylor is back on at the old Cohen homestead in Seth's room. Because she has some tea. Yeah. Some tea that will help you sleep. That she didn't give to Ryan because it was going to be like her last ditch thing to give to him. Yeah. First she was going to hang out with him. Because it actually might work. (laughs) So she explains to Seth that, like, he's always been right. He knows what's up. But, uh... Seth, Seth is... Let, let's let's just expedite this. Seth effectively berates her into going to Ryan. I'd be like, Taylor Townsend, when would you ever give up? You're telling me you're just gonna give up? You, 
a person who has never given up. She's like, fine. Guess I won't. I'll take this yeah. tea. But first, Seth almost calls Summer. But then Summer calls Seth. <laughs> well, he was going to call it because it was ten o. It was ten o two. He couldn't call her until ten o three. So he was just waiting. It was just close enough. And Taylor did sit in that room for. Let's just be clear. Just a little bit too long. Oh, it's true. He he has enough time to walk in, look at the clock, think about what he's going to call Summer. Say he's going to call Summer before Taylor has ever mentioned her sitting on that bed. So. So. Meanwhile, Summer calls him. She does yeah. not tell him about how she's probably going to be, probably going to get kicked out of Brown. No. And says so she's got a rabbit now. And they have some fun banter about what yeah. the rabbit is named. Yep. Uh, Taylor, in the, pretty much the final scene, actually has made the tea and she brings it to Ryan. And Ryan essentially tells her that she is amazing. She is not weird. She doesn't have to feel like she has to force herself upon people. I, I like, she's I, rad. I like the way that he phrases it, where he once again, because he's able to also read her mind, is like, you think you're, a str- you think you're this really strange person who has to trick people into liking her. And I'm like, that is a great sentence, because I know so many people who probably are like, I'm too strange for anyone to like me. He's like, but mm-hmm. no, you're just an awesome person. So they have some cuteness. He informs her that he really, really wishes that he liked her. And then and she, wants, she wants to do the kiss test. Yeah, but she wants to lead the kiss because the last kiss was performative because he led it. Yeah. But this kiss, adorable because she's going to lead it. Yes, yes. It's the old classic kiss test we see pop up in many romances and sitcoms that that you just you just got to kiss someone and then you have to fi- you have to figure out if once you do that if maybe is there actually something there is that spark going to happen um it 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 does i guess oh there's totally a spark but <laughs> they both Taylor say, is overwhelmed and has to leave and Ryan pretends there's no spark but what happens in the next scene Kevin i mean i, I mean Ryan very clearly ha- there he sits down and goes whoa now that's that's hey Aaron. That is a lot for Ryan. That is fireworks for Ryan. He said whoa. <laughs> he said he he made any sort of he didn't just stare off into the distance. I will say in this scene, Ben McKenzie has never seemed more like a grown man. He is not a teenager. He is a grown adult. And the show is actually treating them like grown adults now because they are grown adults. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all out of high school, and it's been quite a while out of high school at this point. So, it is 12.23 or something a.m. Yeah, Seth has talked to Summer for about two hours, so now he has to go check on Ryan. But Ryan's asleep, and the camera pans over, and Ryan did not drink the tea. The kiss from Taylor was all he needed. Or something. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So, this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic stole a bunch of bunnies from a science lab, only to find out it was a science lab of kindness, not a science lab of lipstick? Yeah. I did. And my CW moment is Sandy's irrational benefit (laughs) that we... I'm sure they told us, but it means nothing. I'm not sure if they did. I think he just said, I met with donors to do this Because I thought... When Kirsten asked him how it went yeah, in, like, the second scene, I thought he was talking about surfing. I wrote down, Kirsten talks to Seth about work, and she talks to Sandy about surfing. No, he does surf. He surfs to get donors. Like, like this he, is nothing. He, he, he mentions that he went surfing and also got donors while he was surfing? Why is he doing donors? He is a DA. He does not work for a corporation any longer. I don't know. It really feels like they had this idea for a plot and 
the only way they could figure out to get it to work. They said, oh, we need a benefit because he's going to bring in this big fish guy. But how are we going to get, get that guy to invest in uh, Kirsten and Julie without him first being introduced this other way? It's it's weird. Well, it's, they definitely shouldn't have shouldn't have gotten rid of Neil then, shouldn't they have wi- not gotten rid of Neil? It's wildly convoluted, yes. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I did, and it sounds like you probably will vastly disagree with me, but I'm going to ask you to really think of this very literally. And that is the classic, the... Uh, impeccable, the, I mean, I guess it's very, very impeccable because it involves a peck, uh, the kiss test. The kiss test is something that you see appear a lot in, uh, in, uh, in many fictions of this type of the idea that like, oh, you just need a kiss. My problem specifically with this kiss test is she calls it out as a kiss test. And there is a lot, don't get me wrong, there's a lot in real life about, um, a but a physical action being able to trigger whether or not there is a mental thing as well. So I will say on one hand, awesome, because Ryan has always been a nonverbal, non-communicative, like Ryan acts with his actions, not yeah. with his words. On the other hand, a much stronger kiss test is the Taylor always knows what he's thinking test. Yes. I'm I pref- I I think I think they already did such a good job of like cuz it ends with Ryan being able to get her thought back. Like they like it shows so much that they are actually in On sync. On the same page. That I would have actually preferred cuz and that's the thing where it pulls over and he was able to sleep without the um, the tea. I think that would have been stronger if they had left, even just with a heartfelt moment that he was able to sleep. Then, because he's excited, like it should have ended with her with him being like, "I'll see you tomorrow." And then he's excited to have something to look forward because to. Because the line earlier was, "You don't want to sleep because you don't care about tomorrow." So if they had planned to hang out tomorrow and then he sleeps, that would have been stronger. The kiss test was just. A very clear moment to give them a kiss and well, to give them that like thing, especially because they already kissed lap last episode, and yeah. they do call that out. So I appreciate. If, the, no, I don't appreciate the meta-ness of that. If, it just seems lazy. Yeah, if it, the the problem I have is like they already did all the work. The kiss test was this additional thing, and and so I guess in just the just the pureness of the the CW moment of drama over logic. You had already done such a good setup, and that's kind of where I thought it was going, was that he would finally sleep because he would be excited to see her. Mm -hmm. In this way, it almost feels like, oh, she kissed the sleep into him. And I guess, yes, maybe that makes the sleeping beauty thing match, except for it's the opposite, actually. But this is Taylor Townstead, and if any character ever... could talk the sleep into someone in a good way I, it's taylor i just don't like also the idea of them being like 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 the, the 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 point of the kiss test in other fiction and also in real life is the idea that in emotion in a physical moment do you still have a emotional response to it or is it just oh i've kissed a person cool I don't think it works as well when it's like, and now we will do the kiss. It's it's like a double blind study yeah, where yeah. where where like you see it in like let's say New Girl where it's like oh you 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 know you you just gotta you know you gotta kiss him you gotta see what it's like when you do that and it's because the other person is also aware this isn't a test. <laughs> yeah, whereas in this situation, like everyone knows. It it just it would have been if much, I much walked better. up to a person and just said, "Hey, let's kiss each other and see if there's a relationship here." 
Also, that's not how it works. Has anyone in real life ever been like, I'm going to kiss a random and now I have to marry them? No, that's not how kissing works. Chemistry happens on a great no. many levels. So it's this great moment where it's like this very, like, in the, mo- in the moment, I felt it as well, where I'm like, oh, this is a sweet moment. But you're like... It wasn't sweet, though. Other things would have been more sweet. I literally I, did not care about their kiss at all. Like, yeah. I don't think I watched it. I think I was writing a note. No. Whereas last episode, I was so into their kiss. Yeah. As, as I said, I think I think it would have been stronger to... to and they, they already did so much in this uh, scene and in this episode of almost being like, this season is going to be a different OC season. Like... The, the, the romance dynamic between Ryan and Taylor feels like a different romance than we'd seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like there's not so much there that I felt like having that ending where it's just her setting up. You have nothing to look forward to tomorrow. I'll hang out with you tomorrow. He's able to sleep because he's looking forward to something tomorrow. And that's where a lot of insomnia actually comes from is people who are depressed and don't care about the next day. So they don't sleep because they don't want the next day to come. They don't need time to pass. Yeah. So... I think that would have been a better ending. This is one of the few time, few times in the OC. No, we've done a few times in the OC where we <laughs> rewrite the show a decade on. <laughs> so, like, the OC screenwriters, I'm sure you're listening to this. Sorry. You can't change it, but you did it wrong. I, I would like if anybody listened, they're like, yeah, that is a that is a good idea. That's, that's, you, can, you can learn things through. It's it's like when Sandy says she finds Ryan funny. That is uh, That is a more clever way of saying, oh, she likes Ryan. Oh my god, showing and not telling. <sighs> All right, well, so if you like this episode, <laughs> if you want to tell us that you liked it, why don't you show us by hitting us up on some social media, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. We are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, and we are on gmail.com. Or you can give us a rating, a review, and subscription, and that's how you can really show us that you like us. Hit us up on your podcaster of choice. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. So I guess we'll see you next week for the next episode of The O.C. Ooh. Will Summer get kicked out of Brown? Does the kiss mean anything? If Ryan is The O.C., does that mean his arch enemy is The Bullet? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery, Outsiders, and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?